All right, well, good morning, everybody. Glad to see your beautiful faces this morning in your uh, beautiful sweaters as well. Um, so if you are a first-time uh, visitor or guest, we want to welcome you to Centerpoint Church, Ken Island. Uh, we're so glad to have you here with us, and we're looking forward to celebrating Christmas with you. Um, if you, uh, again, are a visitor in the back, there should be a connection card. Grab that connection card and um, fill out as much information about yourself as you would like. Uh, any prayer requests, fill those out as well. And we'll be more than glad to talk with you, pray with you, um, share with you. If you want more information about the church or becoming um, a part of this church, uh, please fill out that connection card. Drop it in the offering basket or in the back as well, and we'll connect with you also. Um, just a little uh, update for what's going on here at the church. Um, Kristen, who has been our church administrator for the last year, um, just dealing with some, some issues and dealing with home and dealing with um, the, the loss of, of their mother-in-law and those kind of things, has stepped down as our church administrator. And so we want to continue to pray for her and support them and their family. Uh, we're so glad that we have uh, people that are able to step up and to take over uh, when areas have We've lost a leader uh, in that area. So I want you to pray for Kristen and her family as they kind of just dealing with the loss of a loved one and just support them, pray for them. Um, reach out and speak to them a few times if you can. Uh, what did happen, though, is in this process, we have uh, Shannon Hadaway, who's taking over our communications ministry. Shannon, where are you? Raise your hand. Hey! So she'll be doing all of our Facebook and, and messaging and emails and all that stuff, and she'll also be taking up some of the roles of, of, of church administrator in some ways with our, our church. Marty also will be dealing with our church administration stuff. And also, uh, Renee is now taking over our C-Kids. So she's back over there. Um, they've had the baby, and so now they're back on track rolling. So we're grateful for God continuing to put people in place to allow us to do what we need to to positively affect our community and our church. Amen? Wow, I love your excitement. All right, here we go. <laughs> we're um, starting a new series here. Um, and we'll be dealing with this series for quite some time, but the subject will somewhat change. The title that we're dealing with this, uh, this go-around, this series is talked about, I Need a Word. And the word that we're going to be dealing with for the next couple of weeks is the word timing. Timing is critical. Timing is important. Timing is uh, sometimes uh, disruptive to our life and our plan. But it's timing, especially if it's God's timing, that it all has a purpose to it. And so we want to deal with this word timing for the next couple of weeks, especially with this Christmas season uh, right on us. We want to talk about that for a little bit. So what we're going to do is ask you guys to uh, turn to the book of Matthew, uh, the first chapter, or flip through your app. While you're flipping through your app or, your, or the book of the Bible uh, to get to Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Uh, dear God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for how you watch over us and uh, just desire and want great things for us and in us. And so, God, would you take these next few moments and use it for your glory, use it for your purposes, use it um, to build us up to be the men and women of God you so desire. Uh, Father, we thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to ask that you stand uh, as we read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, we're talking about timing today. And what I've noticed about timing <clears throat> as I've looked through the scriptures is that I don't see too many places where God has had this infinite plan to do something great through and with the lives of people that he hasn't had a plan for somebody to do that or be a part of that process. Let me say that again. There's not too many places in Scripture where God has had a plan to do something amazing and tremendous in the lives of people where he hasn't involved a person being used to impact those lives of people. Um, what else I've noticed is that oftentimes God's plan to impact the lives of people generally revolves around one or two particular people that oftentimes throws that one or two particular people's plans way off course. Are you guys with me so far? I've never seen or I rarely have ever seen in Scripture where God has a desire to do great and wonderful and marvelous things in the lives of people that he hasn't taken one or two people and used his plan to disrupt their plan so that they could follow his plan to be a part of God's big plan. That's a lot of plans. I mean, when I look at Scripture, I, I can't help but laugh because I look, at, um, I, look, I look all the way back in the beginning of Genesis, and you see this guy by the name of uh, Noah. His whole thing is he's just taking care of his family, and then God says, I want you to build a boat, and boat, Noah's like a boat, and there's water. What's rain? And rain and water, and we're going to do this whole thing. And he does this whole thing to change the world. I look through scriptures and I see God use Abram and he says, Abram, I need you to leave your whole family to go to a place you've never been to before. And I want you to establish this place is going to be a thing that changes the lives of countless people. And Abram says, I'm happy here. And God says, but go there. Abram then changes his name to Abraham, and God says to him, listen, I've given you this son. I want you to take your son, and I want you to sacrifice him on a mountain. And Abraham says, what? I've been working so hard to get this son for a life change and for a plan. You can go through the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through Jude. You can go through every book you want to go through, and you'll see the lives of people that God used to change their life, to change the lives of people. And oftentimes, it's not good timing. It's often bad timing. I want to talk today about bad timing. When God's plan interrupts your plan, it's generally and oftentimes feels like really bad timing. It's funny because I'm coming over here today to, to do this message about bad timing, and as I'm riding over the bridge, I see this sign, not the, not, the, not, the, not the Bay Bridge, the bridge before that on that side, and it says, accident, all lanes are shut down. And I say, no, and I grab my GPS, and I look through my phone while I'm driving, and it says every lane is shut down on that side and that side, and there's nothing you can do. And I get in that traffic, and there's nothing but brakes, and I text all my leaders and say, listen, I might be there around 10. I might be there earlier. I don't know. And I send them a text message, and I let them know, hey, listen, keep church flowing. Let's get the backup plans going in case I get there at 10, stretch the service out, bam, 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 bam. And I can't help but sit in traffic looking over water and a sea of brake lights and thinking to myself, man, this sucks. This was not my plan for today. And God just says, isn't that funny? What's your message? <laughs> Bad timing. You're, you're real funny. All I can do is turn up the music and listen to this music that talks about how God builds lives and changes lives and does what he wants to do. And I'm sitting in traffic just saying, eh, you know, bad timing. God's plan. And Zeph says to me, being a 15-year-old kid in the car, he says, man, what's the problem? Why aren't we moving? And I'm just like, watch your phone, dude. Don't worry about it. God's got a plan. 
And we find ourselves in this passage of Scripture right here where there's this young man and this young woman, uh, Mary and Joseph. Um, they're looking at getting uh, married. They've already gotten engaged, and, and they're planning to, to be married and joined as one. And this phenomenal, amazing, horrible thing happens to them in the middle of their plan. And I want to share with you these five points. The first thing that happens that's amazing, that's unbelievable, that's crazy, that's also super frustrating for them, is pregnancy. Watch verse 18 of Matthew 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit allows Mary to become pregnant. And you got to understand how frustrating that must be for someone who has purposely kept themselves away from the activity of, 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 of intimacy so that she can be in a, a position that when she's getting married to her soon-to-be husband, they would come together. Then in that biblical time, if a woman was, was not of purity sexually, it was grounds for divorce. If this woman was unpure before they got together, before they got married, it was grounds for them no longer to be married. Uh, this was oftentimes a shameful situation. If you were involved intimately before you were married, it was a shameful situation. And so for Mary, she had kept herself on the straight and narrow. She's planning to get married, and all of a sudden, she now finds herself pregnant. Can you imagine the frustration that must be when you've tried to do everything you're supposed to and life throws you a curveball. Can you imagine having to be able to explain to people that you weren't involved with anybody, but the evidence says that it looks like something different, even though you know what you did wasn't anything wrong or out of order? And Mary has to begin to deal with pregnancy. I would like to explain to you that oftentimes when God has a plan for you and I, it comes out of the blue. It disrupts our process, our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, our desires, and a lot of times it leaves us feeling pregnant. I ain't never been pregnant. I look pregnant some days, but I ain't never been pregnant before. But I know that at times there's back pains and there's frustrations and stuff doesn't fit like it used to, and people ask you awkward questions, and people look at you funny, and everybody wants to come up and touch you and feel what's going on through this process of pregnancy. Sometimes there's stuff growing inside of you, and you don't feel the same. You don't want to act the same. People treat you differently, and you're aggravated. All the women are just shaking their head like, yep. And there's people that have gone through these situations of life change where God has come along and said, listen, he's implanted something great in you. He has a great plan for you. But right now, you don't feel all the hope and the joy in the world. You feel frustrated and bloated and tired. And God sometimes takes these situations, these moments, and says, I understand you have a plan, but I have a bigger plan for you. I'm putting something in you to deal with life in a certain kind of way. And oftentimes, that's not our plan, and man, pregnancy can be rough. Pregnancy can be difficult when God has placed a promise or a plan in your life, and it's not your plan, how you plan for it to work, or how you plan for it to go. It can be oftentimes frustrating. 
When God says, I have a purpose for you, I have a direction for you, and it's not what you desired, what you thought it was going to be, it is a struggle waking up every morning rolling over with that sciatica, with that pain in your back, pain in your neck, pain in your butt. Man, it's difficult. When God's made you pregnant with his promise. Here's point number two. A predicament takes place when you find out you are pregnant with God's plan. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. I'm sure she probably tells Joseph that, listen, I'm pregnant and, and God's placed his spirit in me and, 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 and this is this moment that I know it wasn't what we planned, but God's given it to me and this is how we're going to operate. And Joseph says to himself, <laughs> okay. But he tries to be respectful. He tries to be a gentleman. He tries to do what's right. And he says, listen, I understand that we had a plan together and that now there's this thing happening with you. And so even though it disrupts our plans, I'm going to try and do things the most respectful and responsible way. I'm going to bow out of the situation. I'm going to just step back and say, listen, things didn't work. Things didn't happen. I'm not going to say you should be stoned. I'm not going to say you should be beat. I'm not saying that you should be ridiculed. I'm just going to bow out gracefully, respect. I'm going to step away from the situation. Oftentimes when God places his plan in us, we have a mentality to recognize it not as God's plan, but a predicament, a problem that we're dealing with. Y'all with me today? Sometimes God's plan is so frustrating that we see what we want to do versus something else that's happening, and we don't want to go down the road that's happening. So a lot of times we'll say what? I bow out. I don't want this marriage. I don't want these kids. I don't want this job. I don't want this supervisor. I don't want this circumstance, this situation. And a lot of times we'll try to bow out instead of work with the pregnancy. Wow, dog, I'm preaching today. If I could be honest, a lot of us will say what? Abort, 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 abort. Because it's too painful to deal with. It's too frustrating to deal with. I'm not ready for these responsibilities. This isn't part of my plan. This isn't part of my progress. I'd rather be done with it. I'd rather bow out. And God says, when I have a plan for you, I understand your predicament, but I need you to understand your pedigree. Point number three, Matthew 1, 20, reads like this. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He says to Joseph, I want you to understand that you are frustrated. I understand this wasn't part of your plan. I understand you didn't want to go down this road. I understand that it's bad timing. I understand people are going to look at you funny. I understand you're not going to be able to relate to people like you used to. I understand that people are going to talk negatively about your soon-to-be wife and you. I know that there's all kinds of problems with going down this plan, but I want to remind you of your pedigree. I want to remind you of who you belong to. You are part of the royal line of Jesus before you even know who really who Jesus is. He says, not only are you part of the royal line of Jesus, but you are part 
of God's chosen people that has a specific and powerful calling and purpose. Remember who you belong to. Remember who you are. Remember what you're about. When life becomes, it gets frustrating and hurts you and becomes all kind of craziness, don't forget that God has a plan. And even though he has a plan and it may not be a comfortable plan, you belong to him. That you are the sons and daughters of God. And when this life becomes frustrating, when this life becomes hard, when this life becomes a struggle, remember that we are the sons and daughters, that we belong to a holy God that will never leave us nor forsake us. That we are connected to a God that has plans and dreams and visions for us bigger than what we can imagine or understand at this moment. Understand that the God of the universe says that you are my son, you are my daughter. This plan may not be your plan, but because it's my plan. I get it. I like to give you all these, these, these illustrations. We just got finished with football season officially in the Wade House. There's no more pads. There's no more helmets. It's off-season time. You guys with me? Off-season time means we go to the gym. I'm back in the gym, too. And we're lifting weights and we're grunting, and we're sweating, and we smell funny, and Rosie and, and, the, and, and Olivia look at us like they hug us, but their noses are wrinkled. We smell like men. <laughs> Hard-working, weight-lifting men. And so yesterday, I put weights on the bench press for one of our kids. I ain't going to say which one. One of these two boys. And he lifted the weight, and as soon as he lifted it, it fell on him, right on him, boom, fell on him. And he said, why is this so heavy? And I lifted it up, and I said, because normally we do something called pyramids, where we start off with just the bar, and we add a couple weights. We add a couple weights, and we get, and you do 10 sets at each weight, and, and you get as hard as you can on the highest level that you can, and you'll never get to 10 on your highest level because your strength is out, and then we'll drop those weights and come down 10, 10, 10, 10. You guys with me so far? And so what I did this time was I threw his heaviest amount of weight on the bar and told him lift. And in his mind, he said, this isn't the workout plan that we normally do. And I said, I know. Now, do as many as you can on the highest level of weight that you have. And he did them. Boom, 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 boom. And he reached a new high that he had never reached before. We left the gym, and he said, why would you do that to me? And I said, because your body is familiar with how you work out. And so it's my job to confuse your muscles so that you can get stronger than you ever thought you could be. So we're not starting at from low to the top. We're starting at the highest to see how much you can get. We want to show you how much stronger you are. And it said, wow, that's amazing, Dad. I said, we're here to destroy your muscle memory. Because your muscles will get so used to working out that they'll plateau at a certain level. So we got to destroy everything you're used to to show you how strong you really are. Y'all with me? My plan disrupted his workout plan because he thought he was going to get in there and say, oh, it's the bar. And when he lifted those weights, they said, Pfft. he might almost broke something. 
because he expected the weight to be a certain level. God says that when I intervene with my plan, I need you to understand I'm not trying to keep you at baseline. I'm trying to take you at a higher level, and it requires me to give you more, which means you have to do more. But if you want to reach your goal, you're going to have to do more sometimes to get to a goal to be more. Me disrupting the plan of one affects a team of 25. Ain't missed that one because it's, it's over the head. Me disrupting your plan of one little football player is going to affect 25 other players on your team because now you are bigger, better, stronger because we disrupted your plan. And God says, in order for me to get you to a higher place, I'm going to have to disrupt your plan and frustrate you sometimes and make you angry sometimes and make you question things at times so that I can get you to a higher level to change the lives of other people. And he says the whole time while he's doing it, don't forget your pedigree. Don't forget your pedigree. Because while that one dude was over there lifting those weights and struggling at levels he had never had before, there was his father behind him with his hands underneath the bar, not touching the bar, but encouraging him to get the bar as high as you can. And when it gets too heavy for you, I'll help you lift it the rest of the way. That's how the father works when he has plans for you and I. As frustrating as it may feel, he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Stick with the plan and you will be stronger and better. Man, I'm preaching. Good God. <sighs> so we got in the car this morning. I looked over to both my boys. I said, anything hurt? And they gave me the list. It hurts from here to here, to here, all around here. And I said, good. They looked at me like I was an evil parent. Said, what? I said, rule number one of weightlifting. If it ain't hurting, it ain't working. Congratulations, your muscles are growing. And they looked at me like I'm crazy. The rule number one to weightlifting is when you walk out of the gym the next day, you should feel some soreness. You should feel some aches. That lets you know that muscles are tearing and new muscles are breaking through. And if you're not on a spiritual journey with Christ that you don't feel anything ever tearing and stuff ever breaking through, I would check you and encourage you to watch your weights. I would encourage you to ask yourself, how much are you putting into this life if you don't feel stuff tearing and stuff breaking and new stuff growing? I would encourage you to evaluate your workout program. Leave you alone. You're looking at me like, please don't do it. If this life doesn't hurt every once in a while, if you don't feel encouraged to grow and do more, if you don't feel frustrated, I would probably say you're not doing your best yet. You're not experiencing the struggle of moving forward yet. You haven't crossed paths with God's plan yet because when you're in God's plan, it hurts some days. For all my ladies, all my ladies, I'm a single lady. That's right, for all my ladies, for all of you all that have given birth. It's joyous when that baby pops out, generally. But there are nine months where you got to struggle, 
there are some good trimesters and some horrible ones. There's some readjusting of emotions and taste buds and food and stuff you like and you don't like. It's all part of the process, but at the end of the day, there's something beautiful that takes place. And God tells you and I, and he tells Joseph, don't forget who you belong to. I am the Father. I am here for you. Remember your pedigree. I've never left you or forsaken you. I am the God of the universe, and who you belong to is partly connected to me. Don't worry about the circumstances or how the plan doesn't look like it's going to fit. You belong to me. Just stick with me. And he tells Joseph why you ought to stick with me, because in Matthew 20 and 21, it reads like this. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He says there is a purpose for all of your pain, and the purpose for your pain is part of my plan, and my plan has a tremendous purpose to change the lives of people. That's a lot of peas. I'm not saying that again. He says I have a purpose for all of your pain. And it's through this pregnancy that you are going to experience life change for so many people. Don't forget the promise that God gives you and I. That this is not just about your suffering. It's about the life of something brand new in the lives of others. And he tells Joseph this, not as much as Mary, which I find very interesting. Mary's got to carry the baby for nine months. Mary's got to go through the hormonal changes. Mary's got to go through the physical stresses. Mary has to go through the obvious people will identify her with this pregnancy. You know what Joseph got to do? He's got to stick around. Did y'all catch that? Joseph doesn't have to deal with the pain like Mary does. He's got to deal with some ridicule. He's got to deal with some people talking about his wife. You got to deal with some people questioning their relationship. Were they before or after? Got to deal with some of that. But she got the heavy lifting. He, thank you. He's got the heavy. He's got the heavy lifting. But God says to him, "You remember that this is a promise that I'm giving you. That there's purpose for what you're about to attach yourself to. Not everybody that's going through pregnancy." means that you are the person going through pregnancy. Let me say it again. Not everybody that's going through pregnancy doesn't mean that you're the person going through pregnancy, but we do have to sometimes attach to the people that are because our job is to encourage and to uplift and to help people see that God has greater and bigger plans for them as well. Sometimes we're not struggling. We've done our pregnancy season. Thank God they're almost in college. We're almost done. Yay! We've already gone through our pregnancy period. But there may be some people that are going through it, and our job is to connect with them and encourage them. I believe in you. I see great things in you. I trust in you. I believe God's doing things for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to look out for you. How can I encourage you? Sometimes I'm not going through pregnancy, but it's my job to help be there with you in the process. And so he reminds Joseph and he reminds you and I that God has a promise and has a purpose for this plan, whether you like it or not, whether some days it's high and great days and some days they're low days. He says he has a plan and he has a purpose. Stick to the plan. 
my fifth and final point for you guys today. Point number five, Joseph protects the promise that God gives him. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Can you read that one more time? When Jesus woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph hears this, this promise, and he hears this plan, and he hears, and he's reminded of his pedigree, and he says, you know what? God said that this is for me, and he decides to marry Mary. And he marries Mary, and now he has all full rights to do whatever he so desires with his wife in sacred holiness. And you know what he does? He doesn't touch her. He doesn't have sexual intercourse with her. He doesn't have sexual relationship with her. In fact, he lets her carry all the way through. She gives birth. He waits the proper time period after a woman is given birth by the, by the law. And then he intimately knows his wife because he recognizes that God's promise is so sacred and so holy, that God's plan is so amazing and so righteous that he'd rather be hands-off so that it can grow the way it's supposed to naturally and that he would not in any kind of way interfere and dirty the process of the birth of the promise that's going to change the lives of people. Can you and I Look at life in a way that when God gives us something holy and sacred, when God says, I'm going to give you a plan, I'm going to give you a process, I'm going to put something in you that's going to change the lives of others, can we humble ourselves enough to say, God, it's your plan, your desire, I'm going to keep all things that are negative away from it. I'm not going to interfere with the process. I'm not going to badmouth the process. I'm not going to point fingers at the process. I'm not going to name names about the process. I'm going to sit there and let it do exactly what it should, look like God's holy and beautiful thing because it's God's holy and beautiful thing. You guys are quiet. God's given us these promises. And he has these plans for us. Are you willing to sit down and let it go through the process and keep your hands and your comments and your negativity and your frustration off of it so that God can let it grow in a way that's beautiful and natural? Can you protect it like it's your very own? Are you guys with me? Can you protect it and watch over it and keep it close to you and understand the sacredness of how beautiful it is and protect it in a way that when it's reached its full potential, when God's plan fully erupts and explodes, you can sit back and say, that is pure because God's hands were on it. And my job was to protect it. You know, um, when men get frustrated, they physically abuse 
sexually abuse or take their frustration out sexually. When men are frustrated, they physically abuse, they sexually abuse, or they take their frustration out sexually. Here's a man that has to walk around with somebody he wanted to be married or connected with that is now showing for the next nine months that she is pregnant. And he has to deal with the hurt and the frustration and the shame and the embarrassment. And Scripture says that even though he has all rights to his wife, he keeps his frustration and his emotions away. He protects it in such a way that it will be beautiful in the sight of God, and he won't bring in his filthiness, his attitudes, his frustration, his stress to a process that's going to be birthed in holiness. Can you and I recognize our frustrations, our hurts, and our pains and not let it interfere with God's plan? Can we begin to humble ourselves to say, God, it's your plan, it's your way, it's your purpose. I'm going to step back and let you have full fulfillment and honor it in a way that God is pleased. If the message is too deep for you on Christmas, here's my takeaway for you. If God has put his plan in front of your path, let it play out. If God has put his plan in front of your path, let it play out. It may not have been what you hoped for. It may not have been what you wished. It may not have been what you desired. It may not have what you've been saving that college money for. It may not have been all the things that you had planned it to be. But if God's in the middle of operating in your life, learn to step back and let God's plan play out. I had just gotten engaged to Rosie. I don't think any of our kids know this. I just got engaged to Rosie. We were about about six weeks out from being married. And uh, she called me. And she said, I've been laid off. <laughs> you guys have heard this story at least twice now. But this is the first time. The first time that I realized we're about to come together as a blended family. Two kids, two kids. We got five and a half weeks before we were getting married. And we're now down to income. You guys with me? How scary it is to put your money together with somebody in the first place. And then they ain't got no job. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what in the world are we going to do as a family of six on one income? And we're getting married in five weeks. We're still trying to pay bills. We're still trying to get, you know, the, the, the napkins for the wedding and this, that, and the other, uh, order a cake. What in the world are we going to do? And she called crying and saying, what should I do? What are we going to do? And I felt this tremendous peace. She's, so she's talking. She's crying. 
and I checked out at about lost my job. She, I mean, like a good 10 minutes, she's just rambling on, you know, oh, what are we going to do in the wedding? In the da, da, da. And I'm writing down, at work, I'm on the phone, and I'm writing down in my notebook pad, you know, good Lord, uh, five and da, 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 da. I'm doing math. <laughs> Everything while she's talking, I'm just writing down on this notebook pad. And I felt God say, I got it. And I tuned back in when she said, what are we going to do, Brian? She never calls me Brian, unless I'm in trouble, I'm Brian. Or it's really serious, I'm Brian. And she said, what are we going to do, Brian? And I said to her, we got it. Don't worry about it. Your job for the next five and a half weeks is to do three things. Three things. One, A, you're going to pray for God to get you a job. One, B, you ain't got no health insurance for you, Malcolm, and Olivia. So pray don't nobody get sick. And number two, your job is to find a job. Applications every day, call everybody, email a monster, whatever, zip everybody, send them out, applications. That girl applied to almost 100 jobs in that time period. And every week we got closer to the wedding, and somebody said, you know, as a wedding gift, I want to give you this. What are you guys paying for this? We're paying for this. Well, we got you. Here you go. And then we say, okay, well, we're getting ready for these uh, wedding gift things you give at the reception. I don't know what they call. What are those things you give at the reception? Yeah, favors. I don't know. Whatever. Favors. And, we're like, and people are like, hey, so we're ordering the favors. And they say, how many do you want? And we tell them the order. And we say, okay, can we, uh, we're going to set up a payment plan and we'll do it in. I'll take care of it. Pay for the favors. Paid, 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 paid. Every time we turned around, we paid. And Rosie would come to me and she'd say, listen, I don't have any gas money um, so I can't, I said, girl, here's $40. Go, go, go gas and, and hit me up when you need something else. And she sat back and she told me, I'll tell you what she told me at the end. And so we go through all of this stuff and each week, boom, 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 boom. We're supposed to get married on, on, on Saturday. And she goes on an interview on Tuesday. And she calls me crying and saying, this is the worst interview I've ever had in all my life. They asked me all these tough questions that I don't really know. And it's so frustrating and blip, blop, 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 blop. And then she called me back two hours later. I got the job. <laughs> and on Tuesday, she had a job. We're getting married on Saturday. And all this uh, honeymoon stuff, right out the window. What a, right out the window. Whew. And I told you guys, we called somebody and we're like, hey, can we get in your cabin? They're like, yeah, you can use our cabin in West Virginia in February. Because that's where you want to go for a wedding, for your honeymoon. You want to go to West Virginia. <laughs> I got so many other jokes. You want to go to West Virginia in February in the mountains. I don't know if you guys have seen a lot of horror movies. We don't do too good in the mountains. We don't last very long in the mountains. In a cabin. Yeah, that was really exciting. We're trusting God on that one, too. <laughs> so we get married on Saturday, and she tells me on Sunday, she says, listen, I want to tell you something. She said, I've been an independent woman uh, with these two kids, X, Y, and Z. First marriage didn't work. Frustration, hurt, pain. Um, I've only known how to depend on me, and I didn't depend on the first dude I was with. And she says, through this five-week process, 
I have had to depend on God and you. And she says, if I know anything about our marriage, tough times or not, we'll make it through, and I can finally depend on somebody other than myself. I think God took us through five weeks of frustration to allow our marriage to grow because she had to be humbled in the area. You guys with me? And five weeks of marriage showed me, or this process of getting married showed me, I got to trust on God even more than ever before, that there's more than just two lives depending on me. There's six, and I got to do all this extra praying and seeking God's face. It was such an amazing moment, and that pregnancy in God's plan was way more than just for me, and it was way more than just for her. It was for the lives that are connected to us. And we went up to West Virginia in a rented truck in an ice storm. Three days in a cabin. You guys have heard this part of the story, right? And the cabin was infested with bed with uh, with uh, stink bugs. They were coming out of the sink. They were in the windows. They were all upstairs. There was no consummating of the honeymoon. It was bed bugs on the covers. For those three days on that honeymoon, we slept downstairs. I had a big couch. She had a little couch. We weren't even together. And you know what I learned? That if I can deal with my wife before we get married through the tough times with no job, and the house infested with everything, we'll be able to make it. We'll be okay. And God uses bad times to show us who we really are if we trust him during that process. And so I say to you again, if God puts his plan in front of your path, let it play out. I promise his plan playing out will be way better than anything you could have done or tried to do in your own strength. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the bad times. We celebrate you in the great. We love you in the good. But even in the bad times, your plan is so much bigger and better than what we can see. It may be frustrating, it may be hurtful, but you are a God that has great and wonderful and marvelous plans for us. And so let us embrace the tough moments and the tough times and celebrate because we look forward to seeing how you're going to work. For our marriages, for our finances, for our dreams, for our hopes for our desires, for our parents, for our children, for our loved ones. Even in the bad times, let us trust your plan and enjoy the experience of looking forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.